Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today was a super fun show with Alex Williams, just an absolute delight. Uh, I've been following her on Instagram and Twitter for a very long time, and I was just so excited to finally get her on the show. She's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, shout out to what we're doing over on Relay today. Uh, Lindsey Hine put out an episode with Brad Stolberg. You might know Brad uh, from his his books that he's co-written with Steve Magnus. Also, he has a huge presence on social media, kind of doing the opposite of biohacking, really figuring out the best ways to be efficient and effective in your life and with your time. A great example of what we're doing over on Relay with our one-off pieces like that, in addition to all the community-based stuff that we are doing as well. Uh, big shout-out to Runner's Warehouse. I'm sorry, running, <laughs> running Warehouse today. Running Warehouse is my favorite place to buy running gear, specifically shoes. I have what I would call charitably as a shoe addiction. I absolutely love Running Warehouse, and for good reason, they are sponsored today's episode, and we're going to do a brand new segment at the end of all of these episodes that I so love. It's the five shoe questions, and you'll hear this one with Alex. She's absolutely phenomenal about it. I, I, I'm so excited about this collaboration because I love shoes so much. We're going to do this back in 2020, um, right before we basically come up with the uh, plan for this segment right before COVID hit, and then COVID derailed everything from a supply chain perspective for running warehouse unfortunately uh but now we're finally doing it and i am so excited about it so if you are interested in any of the shoes that she mentions go check out the show notes i'll have all the links in the show notes go check them out uh they're affiliate links which means nothing for you but it does help out the show so win-win situation all the way around so let's get into it with alex williams all right alex williams welcome to the show Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. So, Alex, I have to say, first of all, congratulations, a six-star finisher. <laughs> what a huge Yay. accomplishment. So, I know what that is. Obviously, a lot of people who are listening know what that is. But for people who, who don't know, they've never heard of such a thing, what is a six-star finisher? A six-star finisher is a person who has completed all six, at this time, world major marathons. So, there are three here in the States and three overseas. They are Boston, Chicago, New York, and then Tokyo, Berlin, and London overseas. And you did it. My goodness. What Every time I hear yeah. someone doing this, it's such an incredible thing because like so many things, it never just goes according to plan. <laughs> it's never just like, all right, never. six never. tries and I'm done. You know, see you later. <laughs> There's a lot of twists and turns that go along with it. So again, congratulations. This is a huge accomplishment. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today, but I do want to focus on this because not just the accomplishment itself, but the, everything that goes into it, because it, it is a pretty wild journey. And to get this, during, especially during this period of time, we're going through the COVID years and all of that right, addition to it. Right. When did becoming a six-star finisher even kind of come up on your radar for like it's not only that it was a goal like an achievable goal or something that you'd want to do um but that it even like that you're even aware of it in the first place i learned about it actually 10 years ago uh, almost to date when i uh, had a race in richmond virginia and ended up meeting all of these black runners uh that i met online at first and then we all met up for the Richmond, Virginia Marathon. We had a meetup, all kinds of things, a great time. And I learned about the run stories. I met people who had ran Boston like 15 times and counting. Uh, I had met people that ran like Paris Marathon or were just all over the world to be honest. So from there, I learned about the world majors a little bit more, all of them actually, and then decided, well, that is the safest way as a black woman who is single and don't know what the future might hold that I could actually travel overseas in a safe way 
and my parents wouldn't freak out. So that's really the start of me saying, okay, I'm going to make this a journey and something I would do. Interesting. So the travel piece was a little bit more alluring than the running piece at first? Yes. I like to tell people I only run for a traveling perks. That is the only reason why I do this. <laughs> it is an excuse to travel. That's it. All right. Then I have to ask, then why marathons, right? So like there's a lot of, you know, if it's going to be the secondary piece, why have such a hard and challenging secondary piece? For me, there there's two reasons. One, I mean, I could do maybe a 5K over in Tokyo, but that's 30 minutes. I felt like that's not really worthwhile. Although now that sounds really perfect. Um, but the other thing is I learned a phrase or saying that when you see or travel to a country or city by bus, bike, or train, you just see the city. But when you run it, you actually feel it. So I think most people could kind of understand like going to New York on your own versus New York, the marathon, completely different experience. Um, even if you have never done New York, the marathon, you can look it up, you can see it, you actually feel how diverse that, that place is and you almost get a sense of their heritage every single time you go through the boroughs. So it's a very different feel than when I've ever traveled just, you know, to go to a play or do anything. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you get, so this, this idea starts to percolate in your mind. You're talking to these people who've had these great experiences. You also mentioned this was 10 years ago. So, and you you've had all these conversations with people, you know, at first online. Now the online, you know, <laughs> online running community seems to shift all the time. What was the primary method right. you were using back then in terms of, you know, connecting with people online from a running perspective? Definitely Facebook only, um, you know, during that time. So we had, uh, you know, everyone was your Facebook friend <laughs> back then. It was okay. And now I think we all are a bit more selective uh, about, you know, who we are who we have as friends, but everyone was just Facebook friends. I met them at a race. We would then add each other on to Facebook and keep in touch and cheer each other on in our daily workouts or races or, you know, suggestions. Um, and then the other part is the people that were local. I saw them around like the lake or in sometimes different run groups or at the running stores, those type of things. So it was a blend of both Facebook and also, you know, in, in real life. Yeah. And, and for you, not that we have to take this chronologically completely, but I do want I do want to step off like that, that scale for a second here, just in terms of like online community within the running space and, and specifically for you, how has it shifted um, for you just in terms of connecting with people online and also the online community versus the in-person community and then, and, and how you know, I guess the various impacts it's had on you as as not only a community member, but as someone who either draws inspiration from other people or sometimes, you know, motivates others. Yeah, that's such a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, I will say the first part, the online community has really exploded, uh, you know, through just having more social channels. Now there's a growing TikTok run community. Uh, we have different Facebook groups. Gosh, I don't know how many Instagram channels and influencers uh, that are on there that are sharing their journey or start of their journey throughout, you know, training for Boston or maybe training for the first marathon. So there's a, a large community um, and, and even specialty groups such as Back of the Packers, which I was in. Um, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, what I've seen in, you know, being an influencer, being in the space, especially in the run community, is more, I think, outspoken <laughs> things that are happening. And so we have a lot of people being more outspoken about, you know, doping or cheaters <laughs> on a race, uh, bib muling. And then you have people who, um, you know, even recently I had myself where 
you know, people look at your times and they assume a lot of things about you and, you know, tear you down and have no idea, you know, what you've gone through or what this picture might represent. So that's the negative aspect of it. And I, but I think that's with any subgroup, whether you're in the fitness community, you're in the health space or whatnot. So that's the negative part. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the sharing times piece, because I go back and forth on this all the time, you know, just because like, for me personally, again, this isn't about me, but just kind of sharing my own experience and like this, I'd love to hear your experience as well. It's like, there are certain times where like, I'm really active about sharing my times and things like that, because first of all, like a lot of times I don't care, like if what someone thinks about it, but also like, it does provide a level of like, hey, here what's going on with me. Some people who follow me, I've been lifelong friends. Other people maybe just listen to the show and don't care about my running and kind of like everything in between. Yeah. And then there are other times where like, I can get in my own head about it or like, it's like some people might like, have preconceived notions about it, you know, either positive or negative and things like that. What's it been like for you sharing your own running times and, you know, easy paces or just things like that, that people um, can potentially have opinions on and share them? Yeah, I've never been one that was big on running times. And the reason why is because you can lie about a lot of things <laughs> when it comes to times. And then I saw people, and it's happened even to myself. I was training for sub five marathon, but when it came to the actual marathon, I ended up being over six hours. Like at the end of the day, you can train for whatever, but when it goes to race day, there are an assortment of things that can happen. Um, another good example is, you know, my first and only DNF in a marathon came from 2018 Boston. I can't wait to talk to and you about so- <laughs> it. It was definitely on the list. <laughs> yes. And so I will not say who this is because this person hates that we joke with them in a, a low way, but it is a dear friend of mine. Um, he's de- he, he BQs all the time. And that was his first Boston as well. And his was not a three hour marathon at that. It was definitely over four or five hours. I won't say say much, but you know, if someone ever tried to talk about him and his performance and his speed, it's like stupid. You know, if you, if you were at that race, you would know um, tons of people were in the medical tent for hours and hours, you know, he finished, he got his star, all of those things. But that's the part of, you know, at the end of the day, that was the race. You you don't know what will happen on race day. So um, being a part of recently, I had someone uh, just last week back of the Packers and were very upset that I had a six hour marathon at Boston and they were a few minutes shorter and their time didn't count. But I started, you know, 30 minutes before them. And it was this huge thing. And they assumed a lot about me. And it's like, wait, you know, we finished in the same time, but I started earlier. And that's not my fault. You started probably 30 minutes after the last person that started. Maybe you were in the bathroom. Maybe we were talking. Maybe you were taking pictures. That's not my fault. But, you know, there was a huge deal because I was on social media and the world Abbott's page, and they took that mainly based on color to skin, uh, unflattering picture, because I was very much so large on that on that picture, and they just assumed, oh, this person cannot be at that speed and pace, and 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 frankly went in on me. So, for a person who has you know been faster, slower, all under. The speed isn't, you know, what makes or breaks you. Um, There are people that have done five-hour marathons and they're power walking. (laughs) I've seen older people do a four-hour marathon, a six-hour marathon. I've seen it all. So speed to me and posting on Instagram isn't it. It's, It's really about, you know, what you come to race day with and how you're actually feeling and performing on that day. That's really well said. And as you've progressed through your own running journey and done so many races, connected with so many people, how have your motivations changed or not changed uh, during that time from internal motivations and sometimes external motivations? It's not from like, when I say external, I mean like time and things like that, but more like getting to know people, having sort of external interactions, you know, getting being put in situations like the post you just mentioned, like where, hey, look, Abbott's, you know, kind of showcasing me and maybe people can take something from that and those kinds of experiences. 
Yeah, I I went through, you know, kind of the phases of every runner where you're a new runner, you're soaking it up, you're so excited, uh, you probably sign up for everything, you're getting, you know, the latest garment, the latest sock and all that stuff, you know, I've been on that, I've been the person who also, next phase, where you're signed up for everything, you're all about the PRs, you're all about time, you're like going through meal plans and whatever the latest nutrition is and all that, and I think since COVID, it really changed a lot of my perspective of the meaning of why. Um, And I'm still evolving in that space. It's not just something where, do I have PRs? Do I have numbers? Yes. Um, There are things that I want to accomplish because I I want to. I'm very much so a goal-oriented person. But for me, I am so grateful in this space and time, looking back at the people that I've accumulated, so to speak, that are my family. You know, I lost my mom just right after Boston 2018. That was a very hard year for me. But the flip side of that, I have what's called like my running mom, who definitely checks me about like my attitude, um, who inspires me, who definitely uh, helps me to see how see what a leader and a human being is when you have a heart of service. Um, I have brothers and sisters now in the running community that have you know lost their mother or lost a significant parent or been through things that I was able to get actual honest advice and can lean on to. So that is the space and place that I cherish now as a runner. Um, And then the other part is now me making sure that I continuously give back, whether it be, you know, helping someone recently PR at a race that she was dying in. And I was just walking in and decided to help her, give her tips and helped her get through that race, not knowing that she was trying to get at a number. Um, And that felt good. It feels really good to just go and speak to people who maybe are of a larger size and they don't often feel encouraged to even run the world majors and to now be in a space and place where uh, you know, I've actually <laughs> by default ran all the world majors in six hours. <laughs> you know, now that's my poster child. Like, hey, you can do this too. Come join. Um, but now I can offer hope for people that are the back of the packers that don't feel like they could run Boston, don't feel like they can run Tokyo. I did it and, you know, was successful at it. So I think that's the phase that I hope that most people will also keep doing no matter what. It's not really about what brand I have. I didn't do this. I did that or being in a commercial, any of that. It's about really helping people in this running space find the love, the support and all that I that I experience. You've certainly taken you know, a spot in the sport where like, you are a visible person. You, it seems like you enjoy being in a spot where you can provide some sort of leadership within the space, right? And again, uh, this is something that I I'm, think we're anyone who knows you certainly can appreciate, and, and and you know, thank you for doing that. But again, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to embrace that aspect of running. You could have just simply you know done your own thing. I'm running all these races and just leave it at that. So what about you know putting yourself out there? is something that, that you enjoy doing or something that you feel like is something that you just want to do um, because, again, it could have been so easy for you not to do that. And again, we'd all be, you know, worse off if you didn't, but it wasn't a mandatory part of the process. Uh, yeah, it has its days. I think for me, I am more encouraged to speak up or speak out because I remember when I didn't have someone who said those things or someone that, you know, was just really confused Mm -hmm. or fumbled a lot. And so we're better when we share, you know, we're better when we are celebrating each other and connecting. There is no reason why I should not be sharing tips to the next set of people 
who are going to Berlin, uh, the same with Tokyo or London, who might, that might be their first international race. It was, uh, Berlin was my first one that the furthest actually, but sharing, Hey, they don't have water stops at every mile is a huge tip that most people do not know. <laughs> um, even while I was there, I got tips from my running mom. And that is, was the reason why I even finished the race of knowing where the massage stations were and knowing that they were very good massage massages there. Um, so we are better when we actually help each other out. And so that's something that I keep at the forefront of my mind. And more, more so, I would say I am surrounded on the Black Unicorn Marathons Committee. We have an event every year that actually connects and celebrates Black Boston marathoners. And it's kind of like a secret society. It's like pledging is what I call it. And I've been helping and supporting for since probably my first Boston, so 2018. And I love that group. I love seeing from my year being a runner, even to now <laughs> being a runner as well. But we have like 100 people, which is, it, grow, it has grown every single year. We've had virtual, we've had it in person, we had COVID versions where we were limited. Seeing the people seeing the runners and then the runners, family and friends and supporters that come out and actually see the mayor uh, coming out to thank you, a council member from Boston thanking you. We had the blessing of the athletes there uh, at our event again this year. Instead of having to wake up on Sunday <laughs> and hold him in, in wet in line, we had it there for you. And so seeing that, seeing those individuals every single year and what we do really makes it easier and allows for me to continue to tell my story, to continue to say I DNF'd. I had an unofficial finish at Boston as well. I'm still here and we're still celebrating and you're not alone, you know? So it, that kind of helps out a lot. Yeah. And I think the other piece too, at least for me, the strength that I, not strength, but the how much I appreciate people like yourself is that like, as I get older, my ability to connect you know, with, with young kids and everything with like an in-person running group, it gets harder and harder just because of the responsibilities and the time commitments right. that having this group of people on the internet and or social media, obviously social media is on the internet, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Having those, that, that connectivity there, it really, it really does help. Like I, I really enjoy it. And I have found, um, you know, I've taken so much from that. So I do appreciate people who do put themselves out there in those situations because especially for people like me, like it's just, there are running groups around me. I just can't get there consistently. So like if I didn't have that, it would be hard to feel that connection. Correct. It, it I agree 100%. Um, you know, I was part of the BAA charity team again this year, and they surprised us with uh, videos from our quote unquote emergency contacts. But my emergency contact decided to send uh, the request to some of my run family. So I had a whole bunch of videos <laughs> from people that were just celebrating me. And so I was so like, some of these people don't even like to be on video. So to have a recording now of them cheering for me or sending me well wishes just for a few seconds, it means a lot. But I haven't seen them in person in like a year. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe we might FaceTime. I definitely talk to them every week or so. Um, but they're a big sister, a big brother, uh, one I'm on the committee with. So it's just, you know, we that's family. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for what I do and them seeing me and taking moments for, for, you know, to showcase that. All right. So Chicago, 2017, right? So that was, no, no, no. I had New York okay. 2017, okay. uh, Boston, 2018. All right, all right, all right. I, I mix up New York and Chicago. Right. That's why I got to write these yeah. down. I, like, I got this memorized. No, not quite. All right. No, so New York, okay. 2017, then Boston, 2018. Let's talk about this because I found this to be okay. fascinating because for a lot of people, significant speed bumps in the beginning of a journey can often push them off the yeah. journey. Right? Yeah. So but... for you, again, second, 
so so you're at Boston. You have one one major down out of six. So still very early yes. in the process. You go to Boston, Correct. 2018. Just as a reminder, people, if they don't remember, that was the crazy, crazy weather year. A Northeaster's <laughs> coming through Boston. Unicorn storm. Unicorn storm. That's it, right? If you read the Des Linden book, she you know, dresses it yeah. throughout, the, throughout the book. And so, yeah. so talk to us about what happened to you on that day. And then I'm going to follow up with like how you stayed on this path. Because for a lot of people, they'd be like, all right, that's it. You know, like not that I'm quitting running, but like maybe this isn't, maybe this, this path isn't for me. Yes. So, uh, the day of the race for once, I was not nervous. I had trained in wind. I trained in rain, like a lot. I trained in everything. Um, I was much faster. I was leaner. I, I had great nutrition. I mean, when I say I was in my bag, I was in it. What I was not prepared for was being at being outside in that weather no one could could expect but i didn't have the knowledge being that that was actually my third marathon so i was fairly new it's not like an elite where they have you know like a couple of marathons that they do um because of the performance for me what made or break what made or break broke people at that race were if you could adjust in the race that's how people were able to finish it for me i was by myself it was just a long run i was talking to myself i had my headphones on i was good what i was not with was that my chest had so much water that actually went in my body was unable to regulate the temperature and so what I should have had on was a, a poncho so all the water just went out which actually came in handy this year um, but there were adjustments like things to put on your shoes things to uh, you know waterproof them um, socks having dry shoes to start off with and not soaking wet ones uh, to start you know what I was already wet wet, wet going into this race. So I'm heavier from the, the clothes that I'm wearing. I'm cold. It was so much that was going on. I was dealing with hypothermia and not realizing it as I was running. So I wasn't taking in a lot of nutrition because I could not feel myself being dehydrated. I just, I don't actually remember much except me being in the tent and saying, don't call my mom, call my coach. And if he says to go to the hospital or not, you know, not go, go in, then I, I won't go. Um, I knew if I heard my mom, I would just ball out crying. So I was really, really focused on this is what I've trained for. I'm here. I can do this. Really wasn't a discussion. Um, I don't, again, they, I assume that I was talking to someone who told me that there is a a first aid station and to just take some broth or something. They just said nobody was with me. I was by myself. So clearly that's how gone I was, um, was in the hospital for some time. I had whelps from the hail um, hitting me. My, my skin was just wrinkled as can be. Like, I have no idea how I even <laughs> survived that. It took a good six to seven months of just dealing post hyperthermia for me to get back. Um, so yeah, it was a perfect day the next day too. So that was the bummer part, <laughs> but it's, it, it definitely um, was the best seven miles of my life. I will tell you that. <laughs> now the, the, getting back to the, the, the question I alluded to before, that's a lot. Six, six month yeah. recovery, hypothermia, as you mentioned, yeah. like your mom died after the, after the Boston Marathon in 2018, yeah. you know, there's a lot there and it would have been really yeah. easy to not say like, you know, screw, you know, screw running or something like that, but just like, Hey, like yeah. maybe this six star finisher thing, if it happens, it happens, but maybe it's not a goal anymore. Maybe it's like, Hey, you know, if it comes my way, great. Right. What kept you focused on this path, especially the fact that like, Hey, you didn't know it at the time, obviously, but COVID was around the corner, right? This was not going to be an easy process. Um, but the fact that you started off with such a major hurdle right from the start, I think makes this story even more compelling. 
I think part of my letting letting my I let myself go a lot for clear reasons. Um, you know, outside of those two big disappointments, um, I had to learn how to deal with a DNF and a DNF on that stage as a influencer with brand deals and I DNF at Boston, the Boston. Um, that was a lot. It it was a lot. Then losing my number one cheerleader, which was my mom. And then going, of course, when you have such a dynamic like that, um, you have a shift in like friendship, family, you know, it, it just kind of comes with funerals. I think they, <laughs> most people know that. So that was a major shift. Um, for me, I threw myself into being a better version of myself because I lost so much, you know, with, with running, family, friends, all of that. And so I didn't have anything left except to just keep moving in order just to make it. Um, the goals were still there because I am goal oriented and it gave me something to kind of forget in a sense of what was going on with, with finances or a terrible job at that time. Um, running was kind of an outlet. And then I was able to actually travel. <laughs> so I traveled to Baltimore uh, that year and was hanging out for, the, for like what seems like a week and a half, two weeks, uh, met so many people and, and decided, okay, I think I want to come run MCM. And uh, I don't know why that was the, well, I'm not going to do the majors. So MCM seems to be cool. I like hanging out in the DMV area up here. I wouldn't mind living. And I kind of applied and got into Marine Corps. And then I actually got into Chicago at that same time. Oh, so, God. Yeah. They're very close to each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a sub goal of uh, being a marathon maniac, which is where a person who they have different levels, but most people enter into the first level, which is where you do a marathon within 14 days. And so Chicago and MCM were exactly 14 days apart. And so while the majors, I said, whatever to the majors, that was a goal. So I actually did that just mainly based on the goal of being a marathon maniac because most of my friends were. And so, uh, yeah, I, I did that the following year. I was, I got through it and Marine Corps was almost just like Boston the previous year. So <laughs> that was not fun again. <laughs> and what was that like? What kind of confidence were you able to take from that double, especially with the weather situation after, you know, after coming out of the Boston experience, which obviously was less than ideal? Yeah. So I, I will say I touch on Chicago a little bit. I finished Chicago dehydrated and I was determined to get my finishers beer. So you, my finishers pitcher has me crossing and then I immediately got in a wheelchair and told him to get my beer and warmed not, up. Not, so not, that's not how I finished. the kind of people we're talking about on Marathon Day, but hey, let's yeah. do it. Right. I was like, give me my beer because uh, that's the big thing. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's always a story. And that's that's really where it came from. So everyone always looks for these stories at the end of the race. So that's my Chicago one. Um, I remember seeing the clock in the car counting down. And I literally could hear my mom from heaven saying, you are one mile away. You do this in Orange Theory, you can do it. So that's how I got my star within the time um, and was done. Then Marine Corps, I ended up having a blast up here. I did not want to go home. I think I signed up for MCM in the expo the following year, which is not something I do for any race, let alone a marathon. Um, the failures from Boston actually helped me in Marine Corps. So people were offering tips like to, you know, how to do your shoes with paper, I mean, with plastic Ziplocs and, you know, uh, what type of jackets they had, what type of socks they had. Like I made a lot of adjustments because I was looking at the weather and this time packed everything for anything um, and made adjustments because the end of the race 
it began to be really hot. And so I knew being Texan, oh, this is, I know exactly what to do and adjust it to summer. So I shredded layers. I downed more Gatorade. I actually had chips, you know, those type of things to keep me through. So um, I, I think that's <laughs> followed by my latest edition of medals. That actually was my favorite medal to date that I actually have because I really felt so proud of seeing the failure from a year before, um, blood pressure up, weight, all of those negative things that I had. And wow, I made it through. And it's because of the failures that I'm here. And that's when I decided I wanted to live in Maryland or Virginia, and now I'm here. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's talk yeah. about the training side of things, right? And this is something that yes. when I'm talking to runners um, who are finishing or potentially going to finish marathons around the time where you finish, where they're out there, you know, between four and a half and six and a half hours, right? The kind of times where it's like it, where training can get tricky, in terms of like the long right. runs, right? So oftentimes you'll see like a marathon plan if you just go to like, hey, the Runner's World Marathon plan, right? Or the Hal Higdon uh-huh. Free Marathon plan, which is obviously is not uh-huh. tailored to a certain individual, but you'll see things like the 18-mile run, the 20-mile run, and, and that can be something that is very useful for a lot of people. But at the same time, if someone's normal running pace is around 11 or 12 minutes per mile, that can be a really daunting task to go out there and do a 20 mile run. So talk to me about how you prepare for marathons and how that has evolved over time. Yes. So I've been through a lot of evolution of that training plan and it really just depends on what is going on. Um, You know, previously during that cycle, I did the 18 milers, but something always happens with me about 18 miles. It's like, I just want to quit. I want to give up. My calves are tight, um, you know, overslept or weather is terrible, got sick or whatever. So I learned very early on to make those adjustments and switch to what's now more, you know, I think more people know about the heart rate method and or just time based. So three and a half hours, four hours. So just, you know, being on your feet that long and knowing, okay, this is four hours. It doesn't matter about the mileage is actually an improvement um, mentally, but gets you ready uh, physically to be on your feet that long. So I think this last go around with working with my run coach, I really, really am just so grateful for her because that's exactly what we did prepping to get to Boston this year, coming from Tokyo uh, like six weeks before. My long run was just three and a half hours. Um, and, and, and when I couldn't do some of the long runs previously for like Berlin and London, I was still out there for the time. And she will remind me, it's not about the miles I had it on there, but it's about the time. So, um, yeah, I actually had to switch to a time base because I had COVID, uh, twice. So, um, you know, that is how we ramp things up instead of mileage. We went to time and that for me in this space actually helped me uh, uh, quite a bit. And when you talk to runners, it's like maybe either you've had this conversation, but if, or if hypothetically you had this conversation where they're like, Hey, but you know, but I'm just, I'm nervous. I, I don't feel confident because I haven't done that 20 miler and I just need it for my own confidence. Like what would you say to the individual who maybe would be better served or would be well served kind of adopting the kind of approach that you're using right now, but Not that they're pushing against it per se, but they're just worried about the confidence on race day if they haven't accumulated a certain amount of mileage in their long run. Yes. My first thing is that I still feel that way. I still feel like, man, I haven't mastered 18 miles. I haven't mastered 20 miles and I'm not prepared. I thought even about that with Boston. I I mean, it was there, but the great Meb, uh, (laughs) He has always said this one thing for my first Boston that has stuck stuck with me, and now more people have heard it. It is better to go into a race undertrained and healthy than it is to be overtrained and injured. And so that is so true. Being a person who has been injured, 
um, being a person who typically is undertrained in my mind, um, and one who has been overtrained. Uh, that that is something that I focus on and will remind people of his, his of his tip, and this is true. Um, the next thing is that indirectly uh, having one of my a couple of good friends that I always meet up in Boston with, um, both. Both of them have a lot more time-based training, and so they are much faster. One is uh, sub three, and then the other is about four hours. Um, they both BQ quite often, and so they're like my Boston brother and sister, Nikki and Philip. Um, I've seen their training, and Philip definitely is on the time. And when I look at his time, even though I'm the slower runner, our training is basically the same. There's not much difference. His hour is probably equivalent to what my mileage would be for like four miles. So it equals out. And so I would tell them, you don't know because you're not around other people um, and seeing it. And it's just, you're just looking at yourself. So know that there's different training methods for everyone and you'll be okay. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's such a big thing, especially for people who have busy lives. They're like, I only got an hour and a half. It's like, well, then run for an hour yeah. and a half. You know, he doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Like, I'm thinking about like my run today. It's like, I'm going to be able to run from like one to two, or roughly speaking. Right. You know, it's like, how, how many miles <laughs> right. are you do? Like, I don't know, man. I'm not out there right now. You know, we'll have to find right. out, right? Uh, but I know I have to get home for two o'clock. Um, right. And especially like for the long runs, right? Especially if someone's a busy life, it's like that, could, that takes a huge part of your day to say nothing of the recovery. Um, okay. Now, from thinking about recovery, but even more than that, just like celebrating these moments, you've had all of these races is a huge accomplishment. Finishing a marathon, no matter the time, no matter the circumstances, Correct. even in the best case scenario, is still a mm -hmm. huge accomplishment. So as a goal-oriented person, how are you able to, again, celebrate that day in light of being a goal-oriented person, always on to the next thing and, 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 and that sort of dynamics, I know it can be tricky for some people who, who do have that drive to really, um, you know, experience that day for all it is and really, um, you know, and really, I guess, have that, that love for themselves, for, you know, once they have that experience. It's something I am in progress of. <laughs> I, just until yesterday, I finally put on my Boston celebration jacket. So that is well over a week. I know, I know your face is like that. It doesn't mean I'm not wearing Boston attire. I have a lot this year. I always do. But the celebrate, I didn't even wear it afterwards. I, I still have not. It's not that I don't like it. I actually love the celebration jacket. Um, I tried it on. I, I did that. But the one that I got, nope, I hadn't until yesterday. And it did not register that it was real. It just felt like I was excited in the moment. And then I went through what I went through with, you know, people saying I don't deserve it and all of that. And my friends were just, they've been showering me, showering me with so much love. Um, I really had to sit in that because that feels so foreign to me to be able to receive, you've worked hard and we've seen that and that you should be really happy. Um, and that takes, you know, there's there's different feelings, like the grief of finally accomplishing something. That's a real thing. Um, some people, you know, are already off to another race. They're already off on training. For me, this time, I just need to sit down and let whatever emotions of something that I dreamed about for 10 years ago, the emotions of having, you know, our event at the race, even, you know, film crew with me <laughs> during the race is very different. Um, just sit in that. And so I don't have a single race technically, you know, a half or anything up. I'm just marinating. So sometimes that part of running should be expressed more. And I hope that the person, if they finish a marathon and they say, you know what, I'm depressed. That is okay. That's actually more natural than anything because you've achieved such a high goal that you've been working for, for a year, eight months, two years, or however long for me, this is a decade that I've dreamed of this. And so 
I got to sit in it. I got to allow for people to love on me, do the interview first about, you know, six stars and, you know, let whatever happens, happens. I love it. Thank you for sharing that and and for your honesty. Um, You know, I've definitely had those feelings in the past. Even I've had, again, we've all had those races where you're like, oh, but I could have done this and I could have done that. And I've always felt like, man, I treat other people's finishes so much better than I treat my own. I really do. Like I, that's the crazy thing. I, I really, really treat other, if I could treat people, if I could treat myself the way that I support and cheer for other people, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I would be a better person, but you know, it's the, it's the honesty of it, you know? All right, Alex Williams, we're going to do a brand new segment here on the Rambling Runner podcast. We do five shoe questions presented by Running Warehouse. So I'm really excited for this. I'm going to queue up the questions right now. We're going to do five questions every week that I just, I love shoe questions. I love running shoes. I love my whole life. I love shoes. And this like feeds right into it. I know that you're going to be like the perfect person to talk to about this because you've tried a lot of shoes. I've seen you. So here we go. Your favorite daily trainer. Okay, it's not just one, it's two. It's actually a New Balance 860 and Adidas Adistar CS2. Okay, all right. I didn't expect the Adistar. All right, this is already off to <laughs> a good start. There we go, Here yeah. We, go. Right. we need six hours. Hey, we got some new sh- We got some shoes for I you. I love it. All right, question number two. Your favorite race day shoe? Okay, again, two, because there's one that I literally ran in. I ran in the Addy Star, so I have to say that. Um, and then, actually, the New Balance Fresh Foam More. Oh, okay. So did you try? I think there's they're onto their fourth version right now. Fourth, fourth version. Sorry, I have to say that. Yes, fourth version. Anytime I'm typically I'm talking about whatever is the latest. Yeah. So yeah, that one is fourth version. Is I really like shoe. that one. Oh my gosh, it's so soft. I ran that during the winter month that that and it technically I'm supposed to be in a supporter shoe but it's so much cushion I can get away with that shoe and I mean by far I ran I would run in 5k's 10k's that was a 15k that I did awesome race I I did so good in that so that is that's my other shoe all yeah. right all right the one shoe that you wanted to love in your life, but that just didn't work for you? Tracksmith Elliott. Um, I tried, I'm still testing that, but I want to love that as a running shoe. I think because of the width of my foot on my right side, you know, one side is always bigger than the other. Um, I can't have it as a running shoe, but baby, one thing I do is walk in style in that shoe. So yeah, Tracksmith Elliott. I like the newer edition. I got the black one, which is a little bit different than the one I previously had. So yeah, the black one does look very nice. (laughs) Not on the ads, but in person. Yes. Yes. Whenever I see a white on white shoe and I'm I'm literally wearing a white on white shoe as right now, but I'm wearing it in the house because that thing doesn't go outside. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They always make me nervous. Like this is too pretty. It's too pretty to wear outside. It, it is a gorgeous shoe, but I learned that they, I think I had, they made maybe a slight adjustment on the uh, the color scheme. So okay. yeah, the definitely the black one, even though they have a blue, they have other color schemes. So yeah, that's, that's one I want to love, but I can't make that like a daily trainer or anything like that. So I, I try to be really honest, but you will see me in it. And that's why. All right. Number four, your first yeah. favorite running shoe. Ooh, I had to go back in the archives because I thought it was Brooks Adrenaline, but my first one was actually Asics. Uh, it was either the Kayanos or the 2000s. I can't see that on the shoe, but you know, one back then, I know that those two were big, and then I realized that's before I switched over to Brooks. But yeah, that was my first running shoe. shoe. All right, your, your first love. Yeah. Your first love. All right. We're going to end on number five. Again, this is sponsored by Running Warehouse. You can go check the links either in the podcast or over on YouTube for all of these shoes. They are affiliate links, which doesn't affect you, but it does affect me. So if you want to use those links, go ahead. You know, it helps the show. That is for sure. Last one the shoe that you would love to buy in 2023 if money was no object. 
I had a shoe that probably no one really even knew of, so I threw that one out because I, sh- <laughs> yeah, I, I get a chance to see other shoes. But the one I really want right now is the Adidas Addy Zero Prime Strong. It is such a long one, but it is like a $300 shoe. Um, they are kind of popping up all over the place. There's an all white one that, even though I don't really care for all white shoes, yeah. I definitely would want to try that out and just have it to have it. So the Prime X Strong. Yeah, I, I did see those. I think there they, you go. Yeah, I, I was like, it's a long run, title. I the run had photos over on their Instagram of the, all, of the white on white with like well, the very faint well, uh, Adidas stripes. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, um, because I the local running store for us is Pacers, and so I work a lot with them. And so it, by nature, also Adidas. So... I've seen the things that come out in our Adidas reps, both our local and regional, are just phenomenal. So, I mean, if they're listening, I'm going to have to plug that. Send me these shoes just so I can post them the gram and stunt for a bit. So, yeah. Um, but I never thought I would really be a huge Adidas person. But surprisingly for this for this girl, most of the time, I'm either in Adidas or New Balance, which are both on, you know, running warehouse. So, yeah, those are my picks. That is great. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show and for being part of this thank brand you. new segment. I, this is the segment I've been dreaming about. It. We were going to start doing this. <laughs> You're going to love this because we talked about a little bit of COVID yeah. and stuff like that. I was actually going to do this segment with Running Warehouse in 2020. Oh, wow. And then, and then COVID <laughs> hit and like everything, like the supply chain went nuts yeah. and they're like, we're not going to be running ads. We can't even fill our orders. So we're going to like, we're, we're right, gonna cool yeah. on the ads, but we're, we're back. Yeah. Running Warehouse, thank you so much for being on the show. But even yeah. more so, Alex Williams, thank you for being on the show and everything you're doing in the thank running community. Thank you so much. It means so much to everyone to see all the things that you're up to and to draw inspiration from all of your activities. So again, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. And thank you, Running Warehouse, for not just sponsoring this, but also supporting us. I mean, I've been a customer since 20. 20- Seven, no, 20, 2007, when I was actually doing my triathlon. So I'm a longtime customer and, and love what they do. Um, always have the latest on there and, and offer discounts, all that. So uh, definitely appreciate what they're doing for the running community and on a personal note, too. So thanks. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was an absolute blast. You just heard the five shoe questions. We got to come up with a pithy, fun name uh, for that segment. But no matter what, it's great info. And if you want to check out any of the shoes, you can go over to the show notes to go check them out. Those are affiliate links in the bio, which doesn't mean anything for you, but it means a lot for me because they are affiliate links. And I just absolutely love the fact that Alex is willing to share all of her favorite shoes. And I can't wait to just had this be a reoccurring segment on the show. It really does get me so pumped up. Go check out Relay today, patreon.com forward slash Relay for some of the best running content on the internet and just a burgeoning and really exciting community as well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running.